Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wholehearted Loving. I'm Stephanie. Hello, I'm Georgiana. Nice to be back. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to start out with a grounding and centering process like we always do, taking a moment with ourselves before we take time with each other and with this podcast. So if you're comfortable, close your eyes. We're going to be using our ears today. So I want you to take a few breaths and then I want you to cast your hearing out as far as it can go. And I want you to listen to the sounds outside and around you. Now I want you to take your ears and bring them inward. You're going to take a moment to listen to the sounds inside your body. This is one of my favorite slowing down exercises. I think I'm a very auditory person, but also it does something really pleasing with my awareness. Something about distinguishing out from in and distance from proximity. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah. And what's mine, like connected to me and what's outside of me. Those exercises I love because they're such a good reminder of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I? Where do I end? Where does someone else begin? Yeah, for sure. That's a really great way to uh, integrate after a meditation as well. One of my favorite things is just to lie there really consciously listening to sounds that are further away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, one of my favorite ways to come back from a meditation. I like that. A little transition because it can be so jarring to go from meditation to like, let's get up and go. Yeah. Especially, I mean, with any kind of meditation with a Vipassana where you're just letting go of thoughts and listening to your breath. But I find especially for guided meditations, which are more like therapy sessions where you're discovering things about yourself and doing a lot more thinking. It's nice to have that integrative moment. I like that. I haven't tried that specific one before. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I always like new ones. Yay. Great. Okay. So I want to talk about dating and relationships. And I had this brand new thought come to me, which is surely a sign of my very increasing mental, emotional, and psychological health. Because this is a thought I never never would have come close to in the past. Mm-hmm. There's a, a guy on a dating app. And so I live now on a small island, right? I, I used to live in Vancouver, which is a bit of a bigger city. Now I live on this little island and I live with my housemate, Julie, and we're both single and we're both on dating apps. And so I thought, well, if I go meet this guy, it's like, well, who knows if, if we'll end up liking each other or not. 
I should bring Julie because maybe they'll hit it off. Like one of <laughs> us might hit it off. The more people there, the better. The more people to discover you might have a match with. And I just floored myself thinking that because in the past, I would have been like, you can't even look at him. <laughs> like, not only can you not join us, like he's reserved for me. We're on a date. We're supposed to like each other. And it was this really, I, I think, very typical, like socially typical way of thinking of like, he's mine. I don't want to be open to possibility. I'm only interested in this possibility. Like we've got our prescribed notions and our preconceived ideas. And that's all there is. And I've deemed him mine, even though I haven't met him and I don't actually know anything about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or whether so he wants to be part of this arrangement or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I was like, should I tell him if I was going to bring someone else? Ah, whatever. Everything unfolds just as it should. <laughs> so what happened? Oh, nothing. No, okay. we, we didn't go on it. This was just a thought I had. It wasn't a, okay. an action. Okay. So um, what the old thoughts were really scarcity based. Yes. Fear based. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have all the options, why would you pick me? Is it the base of that? Mm -hmm. Right. At, whereas now my feeling is like, great. We both have all the options. Let's find whatever fits and feels the best. And like, if this guy doesn't feel like I'm the best fit, no longer am I like clawing for that or trying to change myself or figure out what he likes. Like that's just gone as a result of doing all of this work. That, that was the only thing that mattered before was getting the thing, getting the man mm -hmm. being the way I needed to be to make the thing happen. Like there right. was really not a lot of room for me to just have my experience and them to have theirs. And to connect to anything about desire. Right. Yeah. Other than the desire to be comfortable and to like lock someone down immediately. Yeah. Right. But not your desire for like intellectual connection or emotional connection or physical or play or fun or like any of those things that might cross your mind as being important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what about just hitting it off on a friend basis? Like if, all of us went out and all had a great time together. And like, that was all it was. How lovely would that be mm -hmm. in the past? That would have been a failure for me. You know, right. I might've cried about that. I would have felt really all kinds of ways. Mm. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, me too. Things are shifting. Yeah. So what's one thing or like, 75 things mm -hmm. that you would want to say to someone who's let's say single and on a dating app. Ooh. Okay. So just so you know, when you're listening, these are not questions that Stephanie has like listed for me ahead of time. <laughs> and that I've thought through, this is just like, what do you think? So no, someone, uh, what would I want someone, what would I want to say to someone who's single and on a dating app? Yeah. The first thing that comes out, have fun. Mm -hmm. Let it be a fun experience. Let it be a time to discover. Like when I talk to, you know, clients about the dating experience, 
we talk about intention. Like, what's the intention of this time for you? Like, what do you want it to be about? And when they shift away from, it's about locking down that person who like chooses me, even if I don't choose them. Mm. And they lean towards, I want to explore. I want to notice how I feel around different people, which energy feels good, which ones don't, um, what lights me up, what doesn't, um, what stayed the same from when I was, you know, in past relationships or dating before and what's changed and notice things about themselves and mm. what's working for who they've become now and what's not, then their whole energy shifts because they're in the energy of possibility and Oof. discovery. Thank you. So yeah. Yeah. Can you let it be there. fun? Yeah. Fun. Fun is important. We forget that things are supposed to be fun. You said something in there about what lights you up and what doesn't. And I think I want to talk a bit about how, how confusing that can be for us. Mm -hmm. What, what lights us up and what doesn't, what lights up our wounds, what feels like a salve yeah. to our wounds. Yeah. Um, what makes us feel like, like anxiety and excitement can be two sides of the same coin. So that mm -hmm. sort of bubbly feeling of something, it could be multiple things. We might identify anxiety as being lit up, but it's mm -hmm. actually just feeling heightened. And maybe we don't know yet right. what feels truly good for our, our bodies and our deeper selves. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's why I like the word discovery and exploration, because we can use the dating experience to get to know ourselves better. Which moments am I feeling lit up because this person is giving me everything I actually wanted from my dad or from my mom? And which are the moments that I'm feeling lit up because this really feels like a match from my empowered self place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are often really unconscious responses to, Hey, when we're looking for things that we didn't get from our family of origin, we're usually looking for those things unconsciously. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some good ways to tell, um, what is truly you, what's intuitive and what's fear-based. Um, mm -hmm one of the sayings that works best for me is if it's hysterical, it's historical. So if you're feeling a real emotional charge about something, um, it's probably something that's deeply rooted in your past. It's probably not so much a, a present thing that you're trying to deal with in an objective way. Um, so those are some helpful tips. Yeah. I, I remember using that a lot. If it's, you know, the, if it's hysterical, it's historical. I think I first heard that from Dr. Gabor Mate and it helped me just pause and sort of do a little check-in. Oh, this is probably not fully related to what's in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. I might need to set a boundary or make a request about what's happening now, but it's probably also good for me to explore what is the stirring up for me that's causing such an intense reaction. And it's not because the intense reaction is wrong or bad or overblown. It's just that level of emotion that I'm feeling in that moment isn't related to the person in front of me. I got stirred up by the person in front of me and what was happening or not happening. But most likely it's related to some other past experiences that I've had where I didn't get to have my voice. I didn't get to have a say, didn't get to choose. Right, or I didn't get to process my feelings um, around those experiences. 
And now mm. I get to dump them on whoever's in front of me. Get to. <laughs> get to dump them. Well, that yeah. was my old, you know, my old way of thinking was. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't a conscious thinking, but that was what was happening. Yeah. I'm going to dump it on you then and so call it your problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. So slowing down, like you're, you're saying to take this pause. Mm-hmm. And I know... I know my inability to take the pause when I'm heightened, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about women who are the way that I used to be and, and men, anybody. There's plenty of people mm-hmm. who date in the way that I used to date. Yeah. Feeling this urgency, need to know, need to do things, yeah. need to get the thing, need to do the next, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I just want people to know that there's, it's really rare that you can't slow down, especially when it comes to something like, dating and feeling your feelings as they come up. There's no reason that you can't say, I need a minute. You know, mm-hmm. I need to go away and feel my feelings. There ought to be no right. urgency to this connection. Yeah. Otherwise it's something else, you know? And that takes time to realize because yeah. it does feel like an emergency in that yeah. moment. So something I've practiced a lot is actually pausing and just checking in. Is this an emergency? Like, is someone actually dying right now? And if it's not, then I can like, just notice my breath just for an extra moment. But sometimes that doesn't work that way. I find that especially when we're just beginning to change our way of being out, shifting out of these old patterns of being really reactive, you're going to find yourself being really reactive for a while. Mm-hmm. And this like reflecting on, is it historical or is it like to do with right now? I find it's best when you grow the habit first of noticing, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you don't notice in the moment. You don't, you're not meant to notice in the moment when you're just beginning. I always say, just practice noticing after the fact. Mm -hmm. right? Most of us do notice after the fact that something fell off. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, do you create a practice of sitting with that realization and then questioning, you know, what happened there? If a camera were to record, what would it see actually happening? What would it see visually happening? What would it hear? What's being said? And then like asking myself, being curious about what did I make it mean? What did I need? How did I feel? All those, you know, basic questions. And I find that that's how I get to know myself better. That's how I get to see, oh, is this really about the person in front of me? Or is this really because I've had such a history with my mom or my dad or with employers or with whoever, where my voice was not heard? It was not welcomed. And this moment with this person I'm dating in front of me, it was a reminder of my voice not being heard, me believing again that my voice doesn't matter. And that's why all that emotion that's been pent up all these years from these other interactions is now getting dumped solely on this person in front of me. Yeah. Right? Um, We've got so much of our unconscious stuff going. So. First of all, if you can't pause, that might be a good cue that there's something emotional happening. I can certainly get to a place where I'm like, oh, I recognize I should be pausing right now, and I just am not. Yes. Um, so little cues like that. Yes. Um, 
Are you going to say something? Yeah, I want to talk about, I think this is really important, the process of change. Because we can be so hard on ourselves when we don't understand the process of change. Because people will say, well, intellectually, I understand what I should do, what would be better, what would be more helpful. And I just can't do it in the moment. So what's wrong with me? Will I ever figure it out? Maybe it's hopeless. Mm -hmm. And it's not hopeless. And you can figure it out. And nothing's wrong with you. And really what's happening is you're on this, in this process of change and it's important that you understand how it works, right? So I always describe it as like in the beginning, we don't even have awareness, right? There's no awareness that, man, I didn't handle that well, or I blew up or that was, I took that really personally. It just seems all normal and the way it's meant to be. And then over time, and I'll describe it personally, I would realize after the fact, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, that was not helpful, what I said or what I did. And my old patterning would have been to be really hard on myself about it. And the new thing I was trying to practice is, okay, can I be kinder and compa more compassionate? Like, yeah, that wasn't helpful. Probably because I was feeling X, Y, Z. Let's just bring some kindness to myself and I will practice and I will trust that the more I practice, the easier it's going to get. Mm -hmm. And then what happens over time is in the moment, I remember very distinctly in the moment I would know what I am saying right now is trash. Like it is not <laughs> helpful. <laughs> This is not going to end well. And I knew it, but I was so far down that track that like one, I couldn't bring myself back. And two, I was so angry. I didn't even want to. I'm like, forget that. Like, I don't want to be nice to you right now. <laughs> like, I'm just going to let this tirade out. And that's normal. It's part of the process of change. And then over time, what I would notice is I would be in the middle of it and I'd be like, oh, this is not actually how I want to engage with this person right now. Let me take a moment and let me change course. And I might even say, Hey, like I'm not handling the way I would like to. Can I try that again? Can we have a do over? Right. And start again. And then over time, you know, th things would progress and it would be at the tip of my tongue, that nasty thing that I wanted to say, be like, oh, right. No, not helpful. <laughs> Better to just share how I'm feeling, right? Or what I'm needing instead of that nasty thing that, you know, I've been conditioned. Like shame was just flying all over the place in my house growing up. So when I feel dysregulated, when I feel hurt, like it would be very easy for me to want to go to that place and like throw it out there. And over time with more and more practice, it just became habitual to choose a way of being with people, a way of expressing myself that was more aligned with what I value, respect and care and connection and love, right? Mm -hmm. And honesty and truth. Yeah. And then you get to that place one day and you realize, oh, it's coming naturally. And I always tell people, I'm like, you're going to think you're a rock star. And then the next day or that afternoon, you're going <laughs> to suck at it again. 
<laughs> and that's so just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. But I think it's really important to see that it's a process and it's going to be somewhere on that spectrum all of the time. Yeah. And just know that the more you practice, the more you're going to get to a place where it's easier, that becomes your natural, more natural way of being, mm-hmm. right? A new habit. Yeah. You know, it's funny, these things that we're learning and, and trying to remember to do, it's common, as you're saying, to forget them or not be able to access them in the moment. So many people will say things like, I, I forgot oh, that thing you taught me, I forgot to do it. And it's almost screws with my brain at this point. Cause I'm like, you're saying you forgot, but in saying that you forgot, that is an act of remembering. So did you forget or did you remember? Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't even distinguish anymore. You're, you're telling me you remembered. So good job, you know, and eventually it just kind of shifts. And I also want to say how like crazy making it can feel to see so your, your, you got your old path. That's worn and beaten and familiar and you're you've got this new path you've whacked your weeds away and you know it's (laughs) summertime the weeds are growing again you have to whack it pretty regularly and there comes a point where your your mind is walking both tracks at the same time and you can see both paths and it's like it feels so big and expansive in or in my mind that was my experience anyway Mm -hmm. um so to expect that, you know, to expect you, you've had this old machinery working and you're building a new machine. And at some point, both machines are going to be working at the same time. And then it becomes a question of that, that which wolf do you feed? You know, mm-hmm. I really like that. Which wolf do you feed? Yeah. 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 But it, and this sort of goes back to like what you said about dating and me saying, have fun. If we can see the process of change as being fun and Mm -hmm. a time of discovery and exploration, right? It's going to feel yucky sometimes. It's going to feel hard. We're going to want to hide and be like done with it all. I I remember very distinctly, I think, one day saying to you, Steph, I hate that. I'm so aware now. Yeah. Oh, what a pain. (laughs) I wish I didn't know any of this stuff. I could just go with my old way of being, my old patterns. Because this feels like hard work. Like sometimes it feels like hard work. It is hard work (laughs) to append your worldview and all of your assumptions about how things work. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. And it can have some lightness and some fun and some humor in it. And. It's the liberation. It's the great liberation. This is how we discover that everything is possible is by opening ourselves up away from what we thought was the only Mm -hmm. thing and towards everything else. And seeing the little wins for what they are and seeing them. And like, sometimes the little wins are actually gigantic, right? I start every one-on-one session with a client with a body-based practice. And then we always start with a celebration. What's a win? Mm. And when I first start with people, some people like they, that's when they make faces at me <laughs> or grunt or something, <laughs> roll their eyes. And, and I tell them we're practicing this because we're so good at collecting those hard on myself moments. We're not as practiced yet at collecting. Wow. Look at that. I did great. 
And I want them to practice growing that skill of looking for what's good, right? Not just about themselves, but about life. And um, I don't remember where I was going with this, but this is, I'll, I'll continue on this tangent. Um, it's so important to be able to celebrate, mm-hmm. right? Your shifts along the way. And if you don't celebrate your shifts, this path of changing and shifting and evolving is going to just feel clunky because you're like, I'm not quite there yet where I want to (laughs) be. And the middle part is hard because I'm really having to use energy and intention to like practice shifting my way of thinking, my way of being. And I'm also not celebrating the little wins. Like it's going to feel really gross and hard. Right. Yeah. So we practice celebrating the wins And what I notice over time is people like that couldn't think of any wins in the beginning or the wins would have to be gigantic to be considered a win. They would get on the call and they're like, Georgiana, I can't wait to tell you like this is a win and that's a win and there's been so many wins. And I always feel so happy watching them and hearing them because I know things have shifted, like things have rewired. They've rewired themselves to look for wins right? Yeah. And over time, I, I get more specific. And sometimes that's in the second session already. Sometimes it's over a longer period of time, but I'll ask them, you know, what are the wins? And the context I'm looking at is what are patterns you're noticing more often mm-hmm. in yourself? Yeah. Or what are patterns you're beginning to shift more often? Mm-hmm. And I always ask that first question of what are patterns you're noticing? Because that is a win, right? Just the fact that you're beginning to notice yourself doing things a certain way, thinking a certain way. Yeah. That's a win because you have to start there to be able to shift the actual pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite things when clients come and they're like, there's so many wins, Uh so many good things happening. And then The other thing is they can say, and this is also what's challenging right now, right? It's not like everything's super easy and everything's rainbows and butterflies. It's like, I can celebrate those things that are good. And Mm -hmm. also I can acknowledge and make space for the things that feel hard. A beautiful reality check. You know, we really do. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to just to celebrate wins to feel happy, to experience joy. Like sometimes we need to, that's also a path we need to weed whack. Oh yeah. yeah. I had no experience with joy, to be honest. Yeah. Like, um, or joy with maybe some worry underneath it. Joy with yeah, the is joy and joy is very fleeting and joy was most likely if I had accomplished something and right. it would be like very momentary. Right. But like I grew up in a home where, the energy was anger or sadness. Mm. And so I really had to learn to discover and experience that decent was also nice decent. and what decent feels like. Right. Okay. <laughs> and what good and calm and content feel like, what joy feels like. Those are all very icky things to me. Mm, like intellectually i would tell myself i want more joy i want to have fun i want to play but body wise that's not what i was wired up 
Right. You know, I was wired up with the experience of everyone around me is always on edge or pissed off at someone. And they're either out outwardly expressing their pissed offness or they're harboring it inside. And I feel that and that's all I know. And that's such a common thing. Like, I think that's when we're walking around in the world, unless you're on vacation, a lot of the time that's the energy people are experiencing and expressing. Mm-hmm. Bringing fun and joy is sometimes not popular. And we always want to feel that in relationships, right? It's like, oh, I just, I want to have fun. I want to feel loved. I want to feel joy with my partner. But what do we do about that? How do we program ourselves and our partnership for joy? And the reality is if we're not comfortable with joy and ease, it doesn't matter what kind of beautiful relationship you could be having or you have in certain moments or like amazing partner you have. We're going to find some way to mess it up and bring either some worry to it or bring some blame to it and stir up that frequency so that it's yucky again, because we know yucky. Yeah. We right? do. We say we want what's nice, but our body is like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel like what I know. Yeah. Let's just throw in something to mess it up again. Right. Cause we're worried it'll turn yucky again. And so ironically, we just stay in the yucky because then we mm-hmm. don't have to feel the difference. We don't mm-hmm. have to experience the joy and the disappointment of loss of joy. I want to challenge everybody who's listening and watching right now to just next time you experience some joy, I want you to challenge yourself just to experience it. And when your your mind reminds you that perhaps, definitely, the joy at some point will turn into something else, mm-hmm. choose instead to feel the joy in your body. Yeah. Adding to that, and I have had to practice this because I wasn't wired up for joy, um, was you know, so the next time you experience joy, feel your body touching something, doesn't matter what, and then see if you can be with joy for one more breath. That's all. It doesn't even have to be a lot longer, just one breath. And with that, we start to change our relationship with joy. That's like, I deserve it. It's safe. I'm growing my comfort with joy and I'm opening up to bringing more joy into my life. Not even bringing more joy, just experiencing the joy that's already there to experience. Right. And it can start just with one breath at a time. And I did that and it makes such a big difference. It really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for everybody. (laughs) Such a life-changing thing. Um, Okay, this is also making me think about processing in relationships. So theoretically, presumably, some people... I'm going to spat out my tea. Why? Okay. Because it just reminds me of funny things. Oh, okay. (laughs) Enjoy. Um, People who are listening here... Uh, maybe you're into personal development work and you might then either be looking to date somebody who's also into personal development work, or if you're, maybe you're in a relationship and you're doing your inner work, you want your partner to be doing their inner work. Uh, you might find you're wanting to process with them directly. It's easy to make a process heavy relationship, especially if both of you are doing your inner work. 
and something our teacher Phil has said that just, also I was floored. All of these simple, pleasant facts tend to just floor me. He's like, your relationships, like you shouldn't be processing in your relationships. You should be just having fun together. Like, Can you for a sec explain to people who might not understand what does processing in a relationship mean? Yes. So um, you've got all of the reality of how you were raised and what your your programming, your conditioning, your ways of looking at the world, your ways of reacting, your ways of behaving in relationship. These we could all call your programming. So processing with somebody is noticing when those things are coming up for you, talking about it. You might also be sharing things that your partner has done that you would have liked to have been different, or maybe you've got some opinions about uh, their experience, their process. Um, so processing is doing any of your inner work and your personal development work, your growth work with a person, and in this case, your partner. Mm-hmm. Really easy to make them your therapist. Yeah, that's what I just noted down on my paper. <laughs> mm. yeah. I think um, I've fallen into this trap um, yes. for sure. And for me, I think it stemmed from two different places. First, being in a relationship with a lovely man, but he didn't really like to go to that place or not didn't like to. It wasn't his place where he went to often, like, let's talk about our feelings and let's talk about how we were raised and how it impacts how we are in relationship. I've always had that element in me. And that wasn't really a thing that, you know, he would spend much energy or time on. And so we didn't really do that in our relationship. Then met someone where, wow, we could totally do this. This is so neat to be heard by someone, to have someone understand me in this way. And I think I was really susceptible to really enjoying this in relationship because I felt so unheard and misunderstood as a child. So when I finally met someone who could sit there and talk to me about my past experiences and how they show up in current day in our relationship, I thought I hit gold like the jackpot. I was like, this is so great. Right. But then (laughs) also because one of my gifts is to help people and my profession is, you know, in helping people and listening and helping people see themselves through, you know, a, a more complete lens, encouraging people. I fell very easily into like the helper therapist coach role in relationship. And I don't think that actually feels good for anyone in the relationship. However, it fed into my old programming that in order to be loved, I have to be helpful. Right. Right? And if I'm helpful and if I'm really special in the way that I can help someone and see them, maybe they'll feel so seen and so understood. They'll want to keep me around because nobody else sees them like I do. And yeah, that's not fun. No, but it's actually kind of creepy. Like when we get to the root of how we feel and how we're protecting ourselves, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. So, so it became a thing of play, fun, good, 
you know, play, fun, discovery of the world together. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And save that part of me that wants to help people for my professional life. Mm -hmm. Not because helping your partner is a bad thing or a wrong thing, not a good thing to do. But for me, it became out of balance. Yeah. And like, what's the, what's the purpose, right? It's one thing if your mm-hmm. partner asks you for help yes. that you can give. Yes. It's another one. We're constantly helping our partner who doesn't even <laughs> feel like they need any help. You know? <laughs> and that that's such an easy trap to fall into, especially when we start learning all this stuff about ourselves and about how we've limited ourselves. It's natural and good to want to go out into the world and share that with people and try to help people climb out of the misery that is their conditioning. Um, and I think we can really bring that in again, a creepy way to (laughs) dating and like telling people it's this subtle manipulation where we're like, here are all the amazing things I've learned and discovered about myself. How about you? You know, can we discover these things for you or, or telling somebody all about how you do your own inner work as a way to sort of influence them and try to, you know, we're wanting to attract people who are self-reflective, who are aware of their minds. But in a way we create our own trap where we're like setting up this scene. We're like, here's how I need the scene to be. And then Mm -hmm. people are like, cool, I fit that scene. Like cast me in your script, no problem. And there's no time in there to actually discover who the person is because you've written the script. And that's the thing. And depending on what that person, how they have programmed themselves to earn love, they might be like, well, okay, I'll do it. Because if I do what I'm asked, then things will be okay. And then neither person feels good. Yeah. (laughs) And neither, and like, this is the piece that I think I really love about what you said is we don't get to discover who the person actually is. And I've been guilty of that, you know, in the past years ago. And I remember someone actually like calling me out on it. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) What did they call you out on? Like, I feel like, are you telling me this because you're just (laughs) sharing your excitement for yourself? Are you telling me this because you're wanting me to do something different? (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky boots. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's just sharing my excitement. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I have also been called out on these subtle manipulations because it's true, you know, Mm -hmm. at the root, I think we, we want, people and ourselves to feel happy and comfortable and connected. We're all just trying to get to that place in whatever way we can. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of like one hard lesson for me to learn is I cannot want someone's happiness and peace more than they want it for themselves and more than they're willing to create for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had to learn, like, let someone have their own experience, their own process, their own journey at their own pace. Yeah. Which can in their own way. (laughs) Infuriating Mm -hmm. pace. And when you can see something clearly and you just want someone else to to understand, gosh, Mm -hmm. that can be frustrating. And that's when you want to use the tools we give you to slow down 
and breathe and feel your bum and remember yourself. Yeah, that one was really, really, really hard for me. Yeah. Um, to trust someone own, someone's own process, their own um, pace and the way they want to do it. Someone's way of becoming more aware and more intentional, more conscious might not be our way. Yeah. I remember once saying, you know, we, you know, talking about dating when you're in this world where you know so many people who are intentionally um, trying to know themselves better and being intentional about how they want to relate to people, you can fall into that trap of only wanting to date someone who is doing it exactly the same way as you. Right. And I would have clients who would say like, I'm really into this work, but my husband has no interest, like none at all. Should I divorce him? (laughs) (laughs) And it's nice when we have the conversation, they start realizing, Oh, like different people learn these things and practice these skills in their own way. Mm -hmm. Right. And some people might not have to actually be that intentional about practicing it than others. They have less to rewire or they have different things to rewire. And so we don't have to all be doing it the exact same way. I think I used the example, like your husband could be a farmer and like never go to a group therapy session, never see a counselor in their life, but he's reflective and he's intentional and he takes ownership of his actions and he deals with things when things go awry because that's how he wants to run his farm. Mm-hmm. And if he's willing to bring those skills into your relationship, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes all the ways for sure. Also, I think it's important. And this is something I want to say to people who are dating and reading profiles and learning about people from what they present to you on the internet. I used to be a person, and I struggle with this hugely because I'm usually accurate and honest in my words. So when people tell me something, I have this heinous, beautiful tendency to believe them. Mm. Um, and this happened, actually, the silly example of it is a while ago, I pitched up, picked up a hitchhiker, um, and he told me about sales that happen at two of the grocery stores here. And I just folded that into my brain as good information. I'm like, great. There's a sales here on Tuesday, sales here on Thursday. And I just started going to the stores only on Tuesday and Thursday. And last week I had to stop in to get something on a different day. And I was like, everything is on sale, but it's not the day the man told me was sales. I'm like, ah, there's that silly thing in my brain again, where I just believe what people tell me. And So the way this relates to dating and doing the work, you see this hugely in dating profiles now, people who are saying they're self-reflective, they like to do their inner work, they do this and that and the other thing. Every word means a different thing to everybody. So just because somebody's telling you they do this doesn't mean A, that they necessarily do, or B, that they do it in the same way or have the same understanding as you. Um, I know, so we're part of this larger community that does conscious relationship work and there are men's groups and women's groups and all kinds of people and i remember uh, one of the women who was in our women's group came to group one night quite upset and she said she had dated this guy who was like 
you know, a leader of personal growth work. And she's like, and he was not, you know, he did, he has no business, you know, whatever. And, and I, it was so funny because it was like, well, I had, you know, people are in these roles. You expect certain things. You expect whatever you expect. Everyone will probably expect something different. Um, but she was definitely disheartened by her experience based on what she had assumed would be true mm -hmm. because of her interpretations of doing good work, which I know she's very serious about doing good work. So I think she would project onto the world that other people are serious in the same way that she is, you know? Sometimes and maybe they true. are serious and they're bumbling on that part or yeah. whatever, you know? Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So actions and words, right? Like part of my work for the last yes. seven years, I'd say, has been just noticing actions following up from words and seeing how they, they jibe with each other or don't. So I would really encourage, this is part of taking your time in life generally, but also when you're dating, yeah. take your time, discover the words people use and how their actions flow from those words or don't. That one is huge. I didn't know how to take my time because I was like going into dating. So fear-based of, I got to find my person. Like what if I'm going to be single and alone forever? Like that used to be my biggest fear or one of them. And like, if they were, <laughs> the bar was low, man. If I reflect back now, <laughs> like, if they were kind <laughs> and, you know, you know, a list of other things, but I'm like, man, lots of people are kind, <laughs> lots of people are kind and you can have a great conversation with them. Like, is that really going to be my bar? Mm. Like there's got to be some other things. Right. And then maybe I added, you know, like emotional connection and then physical connection and, you know, those things were there. But I'm like, are you able to be those things long-term and sustain mm -hmm. them? Are you able to be that way when we have conflict? Yeah. You know, are you able to be a person of your word when it's hard? Yeah. Or do your words mean nothing if things become difficult? It took me, you know, I had to learn first to be okay on my own and to see my worth just without partnership to learn how to spend time by myself and enjoy it to be able to slowly give myself more time to discover who this person actually is. And I don't mean that in this um, cynical, like who is this person actually? <laughs> <laughs> what are they hiding? But like, how does this person do life? How does their energy mix with mine over time when we're having highs and lows and all the in-betweens? Like, why not gift myself time? I used to joke, like, I spend more time reading Amazon reviews about a blender than <laughs> giving myself time to discover whether this person is a good fit. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah people today would like sleep with somebody sooner than they would risk a blender purchase <laughs> what has become of us it's amazing so, and it was because i wanted connection i wanted connection i wanted to be chosen i wanted love and affection and i thought you know nail it down immediately and then like it's gonna work out and uh the biggest one of the biggest gifts I gave myself 
is to learn how to slow it down, enjoy it date by date. Yeah. And give myself time to feel whether I feel good in this person's presence and also when they're not present. Yes. Yes. That's a big one. When they're not present. Um, something you just said there gave me feelings. The feeling of being chosen. Mm. That's such a beautiful feeling. I think that's mm-hmm. often the big feeling that we're chasing. Um, when somebody wants to go on a second date, it's like, oh, you've been chosen. There's so many points at which you could be chosen or rejected, right? And we want to chase that feeling. We want to keep that feeling. But is it us that they're choosing? Or are we presenting something with some kind of urgency, trying to Mm -hmm. be liked, trying to lock it down, trying to keep that feeling? This is where the slowing down is so important. Yes, you want to be chosen, but you want it to be you that's being chosen, not some creation, some desperado, some someone mm-hmm. in a hurry. Uh, yeah, not what they're imagining you to be yeah. and not what you're presenting yourself to be out of fear. Yeah, totally. What? Yeah, in my experience, it takes a good six months to get a reasonably true impression of a person, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to see, like I'm in so many Facebook groups about dating and women who are, you know, high value, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, women who are saying, Oh, like it's been three weeks. We've got this amazing connection. Like, and now his phone calls are slowing down. Like, is he just a low value pig man or like what's wrong with me? You know? And it's so painful because it's, it's so, it's such the scarcity mentality and it's so much the hurry, you know, and the need Mm -hmm. to, to lock things down. There's no, the the immediate judgment of someone is either good or bad. Yes. Right. They're either in the good pile or the bad pile. Yeah. And like, I should know that after three dates, three dates. And they're either going to be thinking about me or they're bad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I used to think that. (laughs) Yeah. How is it that they could get up? I see that they're online. I see that they're commenting on people's things, but they haven't replied to my text. The amount of consternation that can bring up in a person. Mm -hmm. Isn't yeah. And then it becomes this screw him then, or yeah. this, let me chase harder. Let me work harder. Let me ho- try to win him over. Right. Oh, I've been in all those places. Right. And um, paired, it's all this big F you energy paired with this, like, I'm amazing and I deserve better, but it's all twisted up with this like self-loathing confusion and desperation that just is not the feeling of love and connection. Mm-hmm. For sure. And like, I want to pin this that in another episode, we talk about the relationship attachment model and it's all about pacing and timing and giving ourselves spaciousness (laughs) to watch ourselves and the other person. But that's too big for right now. But what I want to say for right now is when I've talked to people and I wish I knew this, you know, when I was dating after my marriage, I wish I knew this. I didn't at the time. But I'll I'll talk to women and men and it'll be like this. Like 
we had three days and it was amazing or three weeks or whatever. And then I'll ask them, you know, are you open to just hearing something that might feel a bit blunt? And they'll be like, okay, what do you want to say? I say, so essentially it's a stranger plus three days or it's a stranger plus five hours. And then their face is like, yeah, whoa. And then they realize, oh, what have I attached to a stranger plus three dates or a stranger plus three weeks? Like all the things you think you know about someone, all the things you think about them, want from them, want to give them. And then when they put that, like when they look at that reality, mm-hmm. something shifts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, right. Yeah. As much as that felt good and like doesn't mean to don't take anything away from the fact that it felt good. Enjoy it. And also keep in mind, this is a stranger plus seven days. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or this is a stranger plus 50 text messages and five minutes on a phone call. <laughs> yes. But it's a good morning every morning. <laughs> That's nice, but it's still just a, a note, you know, it's not really real life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There was something there you said that I wanted to address. Let me see if I can summon it. Yeah. Stranger plus three dates. So there's, I think common language is talking about people being on their best behavior, especially Mm. when you first start dating and it's like, Ooh, they're presenting their best self. They're, they're being good. It's this way of thinking about it that I think makes things really black and white and good and bad when that's not actually what's true. As you said earlier, we're all trying to get connection and we've all got these ways of doing that that come from our programming. We've learned if we do X, Y, and Z, people will approve of us, people will like us, people will choose us. So we're presenting those sides of ourselves initially because that's our natural self-protection. It is not some evil manipulation to try to get somebody in bed or things like that. You know, I think there's this really common way of thinking about things that makes people nasty. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would love to diffuse that as much as we can by by getting the reality, you know, even if there are people who are just trying to get you in bed, which certainly is a thing, mm-hmm. the root of that is they're trying to get connection. They want an mm-hmm. oxytocin release unconsciously. They're just trying to effectively breastfeed, you know, a, a different way of saying <laughs> that. Like this is where our bodies go back to is safe places that we unconsciously remember. We're looking for comfort. The person that wants to be able to sleep with you on date one, because that brings them some sort of comfort. It feels good for them. Just like, you know, and I've been in this place after date one, I'm like, he's going to be my husband. Yeah. (laughs) So lucky. Right. Like, um, maybe not that extreme, but like, that's, that's the essence of it. Like I'm, we're already imagining all this future stuff with this person because <laughs> imagining a future and imagining this person choosing me and me choosing them, that brings me comfort. Yeah. It's not that different from someone saying, if I can sleep with this person tonight, like that's going to feel so good. Yeah, totally. Right? That's just what helps them give them comfort. That's what gives them comfort, right? So if you're on the 
there's no better way to say this than receiving end of this one night stand that maybe didn't bring you comfort. I want people to move away from being like, oh, someone did this to me. They were looking for comfort. It didn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, how could they do that to me? I want people to move toward that didn't feel good for me. And I'm going to mm-hmm. shift over to something that did feel good. You know, if mm-hmm. a one night stand brings so-and-so comfort and it makes me feel icky, what's underneath that? What feels more comfortable for me? Where do I find comfort now? Mm-hmm. And that can either be something you communicate to this person and they're like, oh, I want you to feel comfort in that way too. I'm happy to offer that. Or they're like, I have no interest in offering comfort to you in that way. And mm-hmm. you have great information and you can make your next choice. Yeah, totally. Okay. I want to share this little ridiculousness that I used to entertain in my mind pretty often. And then a little story of how this happened. So I used to be so desperate to find the one and to find my person that like my ears were even attuned to it. And the story making in my mind was next level, like epic story making. I remember I was on the bus years ago and I overheard strangers talking about someone was coming to clean their pool and my my ears perked up. I was like, I wonder if the pool boy is my future husband. Like literally every mention of a man, I'd be like, maybe that's the one. Maybe he's my husband. So um, <laughs> I think I mentioned I'm in this Western esoteric mysticism class. I was wondering if you're going to tell that story about yes. that husband. <laughs> so the teacher said there's going to be a man joining us in two weeks. And my ears perked up. My antenna was like, oh, my husband, he's in the ether. Like I've manifested him and blah, blah. So I spent these two weeks pretending I wasn't thinking about that constantly, but I was. And the day came and I was excited. I probably, I dressed up. I don't even know. I'm kind of making that part up, but I was ready for it. Right. And so this man comes in And two men came in, right? One was incredibly good looking was my opinion at the time. And this guy, the other guy introduced himself and told me his name. And it was the name of my future husband, as far as I was concerned. But I was like, no, it's not you. (laughs) It's the guy behind you. You must've gotten your name wrong. Was like, my brain was just like, you're not my future husband. Therefore you've introduced yourself incorrectly. You must be wrong. It's the guy behind you. (laughs) Because we've been in relationship for two weeks already. Didn't you know? (laughs) That's right. Right. That's essentially (laughs) what was going on in your mind. (laughs) Yeah. Just wild. And wouldn't you know it by the end of that session, the one who I thought was my future husband, I was no longer attracted to him in any way. You know, it doesn't Hmm. take long. Fleeting, fleeting energies and ideas. This is um, a really neat thing that I'm sure we could talk for a long time about. But like imagination versus reality, Mm. right? And I had to live in imagination because facing the reality of like what was happening in my house growing up. Mm tough right and so I had to live in a little bit of an imaginary world and so one of the things that I really had to practice and I use this prompt often is the reality is Mm. 
right? And I might use it in combination with, in my mind, I'm imagining such and such, and the reality is. Yeah. Right? Because that's what I'm hearing when you tell that story, because you spent two weeks imagining. Yeah. And marrying. (laughs) (laughs) And then you spent two and a half hours seeing the reality of someone. Yeah. Right. And then basing your noticings off of that reality and be like, oh, you know, I don't actually have an interest romantically in this person or, you know, whatever it is, or maybe I do, but I don't see him as my husband. (laughs) I don't know. But, you know, to be able to make space for both and like neither is wrong. Sometimes we need to go to that imaginary place. Imagination is amazing. We can use visualization for so many great things in our life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gives us a reprieve from just being in reality. But notice when you primarily live in imagination. Yeah. And see if you're willing to practice looking at reality. Mm-hmm. This is making me think of text messages from men that I have made mean things that just were not true. Um, even the act of someone sending me a text message could be enough for me to be like, oh, they're lovely and amazing. They love me. And the content of the text message might not convey that, you know, reading. I have an active imagination and (laughs) reading into things can, can really lead me astray. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, the camera recording. I think we should give this tool to the listeners right now. The, um, Fact versus story. This is um, a tool that we have used in our groups. And so Georgiana talked about it earlier. It's um, if you go back and look at a story of your life and an incident with a person, an interaction that you may have had, and you recount the story. So you'll have your way of telling the story that includes all of your programming and your ideas and your hopes and dreams. And then there will be the same event as recorded by a camera. So you get audio visual data and that's all you get. Um, And the difference when you tell that story, first of all, that story I'll tell you right now will be about one sentence long. And the other story with all the embellishments that's going to take you a long time to tell. It's going to be confusing. Yeah. There's going to be multiple storylines. The facts are short and simple. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. else is our stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is so powerful, has been so powerful in my life, so powerful in all the people we've worked with. Like this is a foundational piece that we practice with people. And it's to just begin with practicing describing what happened. So usually like it helps to think what I saw was or what I heard was, right? What I saw was someone put this thing over there. What I saw was the text came in at 10 p.m. What I heard was, you know, they said X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. period. That's the facts. That's the only thing a camera would capture. Yeah everything else is what we make it mean. And then from there, we make it mean things. And so we practice using the prompt and I made it mean, right? And then from there, I like to go even deeper. What did I make it mean about myself? Mm. 
Um, if you have a dynamic with this person, like it might be, what did I make it mean about myself as a partner, as an employee, as an employer, as a neighbor, whatever, what did I make it mean about the other person? What did I make it mean about them in that particular role as a partner, neighbor, friend? What did I make it mean about our relationship? Mm-hmm. What did I make it mean about the future? and what's possible and where it's going. And what you'll notice is like, there's a gazillion things and it goes so fast. We made that one text that we received at 1032 PM and it had seven words in it mean all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And from there we look at, you know, how does that leave you feeling? Is that leaving you feeling empowered, disempowered? And typically, all these things we make up, they leave us feeling really disempowered. Yeah. And so we practice then shifting it. Can I make it mean something that's either more empowering or at the very least neutral? Mm-hmm. And like, even just what I've said right now, and I'm like sort of talking columns because we have like a handout for it and it has columns. <laughs> <laughs> and like each one of those columns is a skill to practice. It's a skill to practice taking a situation and pulling out what the facts are. It's a skill to practice taking out the facts and then looking at what do I make it mean on all these levels. Mm -hmm. It's a skill to connect that to how does that leave me feeling? Mm -hmm. And then it's a skill to practice shifting that meaning to something that's more neutral or empowering. Yeah. Right. And what happens is we typically then feel disempowered. And then when we're disempowered, we act a certain way, we behave a certain way, and then it leaves a certain outcome or result, right? And then if we take that, how we act, and this is my, my favorite part of like helping people see this, and we usually draw it on the whiteboard or we use the handout, we take the action, right? Your disempowered action, and that becomes the new facts. Mm-hmm. The new facts yeah. for the other person because then you texted something back at 1043 <laughs> that said six words because you were feeling disempowered because of what you made it all mean. Mm-hmm. And then they, because they're human, will make it mean all sorts of stuff yeah. about you and them and your relationship in the future. And typically that'll be disempowering unless they're really intentional and conscious about noticing and shifting. Yeah. And then they will respond in a way from this disempowered place. And that will become the new facts for you to then make it mean. And then you just go on and on in vicious circles. Yeah. The way we make things mean things in this disempowering way, like we were talking about this earlier, beating a new path um, and our imaginations being so powerful. When you get that text message at 1032, Maybe you just feel annoyed. You feel like somebody should have done something differently. So what are you making it mean about you? What are you making it mean about them? What are you making it mean about the relationship? We can probably assume like, oh, it's late. They should have texted earlier. They don't love me. They don't care about me. And that means that he is a dick and, you know, he's thoughtless and he's all these things. And it means also our relationship isn't important to him. That's Great, great exercise in in imagination land. You've used your imagination in a really uncreative way. 
we could explore that in a completely different way. Why, if we're making up stories, why aren't we making up the story of, oh, he didn't message till 1032 because he won the lottery and he's been so busy buying me a new whatever and he's going to be outside my window surprising me because he's wonderful and our relationship is a priority for him. Why not? We're making up stories. Why are we making up the story that makes us feel like absolute crap and makes us antagonistic towards the person we love? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I mean, it, I think we're programmed, conditioned, you know, lots of conditioning to make things mean problems. Mm-hmm. Prepare and, yeah. you know, evolutionary wise, it helped us survive to see problems. Yeah. But now we just see problems everywhere when there aren't necessarily problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we create problems. Yeah. And I said this a few episodes ago we're really good at problem solving. We've got our problem solving skills unlock. They're operating unconsciously for us. And it's pretty rare that we need to actually direct much energy or imagination uh, towards problem solving. Yeah. We might just be trying to solve the wrong problem. (laughs) Yeah. I think the problem is not experiencing enough joy in life, not experiencing enough ease, Let's direct some of our energy towards solving that problem for ourselves. Yes. Imagine something like, imagine at the very least something more neutral. Isn't that more pleasant? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I love using imagination in service of a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Which also is, yeah. even if that's not something you're experiencing in your outward life, you're rewiring your brain here, imagining all the things that feel good to me. This is like the Abraham Hicks vortex, yeah. right? It's getting into alignment, picturing things the way you'd like them to be because you're giving energy to that. And that's becoming integrated in your body as you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this can all sound um, like it makes sense intellectually. And I just want to remind remind people that it takes practice. Like it's an active skill to build. It's a muscle to grow. So if I were to let you see behind the scenes, like years ago, how I built this skill, like I would have pieces of paper where I would write this down and write my columns down. And, or I would, even before I got to the columns, because that's even more advanced, I would just take a situation where I was super pissed at someone And I would be like, let me write down what the facts were. Let me just try to take out the facts. And then I would list maybe five situations in the past that have been pissed off at someone or there's been tension, something hasn't felt good. And in the column next to it, I write down the facts are, right? I saw this, I heard this. That is something we must practice. You got to break it down to the tiniest steps. If you can't get to the facts, then, you know, you can't do all the rest of the pieces yeah. because you'll have made it mean all sorts of stuff. And we typically make it mean really awful things about other people and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we think, oh, now I'm going to be authentic. Now I'm going to express honestly and openly. And you dump all this stuff on someone you're a jerk, you're disrespectful, you're this, you're that. And all that does is 
bring up someone's defenses to either fight you or shut down and take off. And then of course they won't make that mean something as well. Usually not very helpful, but please invest in learning this skill, practicing the skill, pulling out the facts. Yeah. And when you start doing this kind of work, so it, it sounds intellectually, it makes sense when you hear it from our mouths. When you go to try to repeat it to somebody, the words will be garbled, like the concept's still there in your mind, but you can't quite convey it. Maybe you can't even remember. It's facts versus what? What is it? Story. But we can't remember. Our brain wants to reject these new ways of thinking. So it's practice, and it's all these different gradations of how that practice will look for you. So the same way that forgetting something, when you remember it, you haven't forgotten it anymore. The same way these things will grow in your your mind and your body and your understanding will deepen and your ability to, to do these tasks and to do this practice uh, will start to come naturally. So it's normal if it feels weird and clunky and like makes sense, but also doesn't at the same time. Um, that's super normal. Yeah. And again, we can be so hard on ourselves when we know something. We're like, oh, I learned this new tool. That's so great. It makes so much sense. It's going to change my life. And then we find ourselves realizing, oh man, I forgot. I forgot to practice or I forgot it in the moment, whatever. When you forget something, you can either use the noticing that you forgot to shame and judge yourself some more, or you can just notice it and be inspired. Awesome. I remembered again. Great. Can I practice it right now? Can I make some time later in the day to practice? This is the thing about the process of change. We can either use it to judge and shame ourselves even more or use it to inspire us to get excited when we notice something, get excited that we're like, oh, I remember that tool again. Forgot about it for 31 days, but today I remembered. Great. Let me use it in some way. Yeah. So please be gentle on yourself in mm. this, in this process. Yeah. That makes me think too of the grief that comes up, you know, here's a tool that I now know how to use. And I feel sad that I didn't have this tool for 40 years, you know? Yeah. So yeah. celebrating the joy, celebrating the wins and making space for whatever that brings up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The grief is real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. That reminds me of so my dad and my mom watch us on YouTube every week. And once in a while, they'll comment in the comment section. So if you're curious, you can go look. It's quite cute. But my dad posted a comment recently saying something similar of like, wow, we're realizing all these things we could have done differently or done better all these years ago that we had no idea about. And this is where my mom and my dad are a little bit different. I think my dad more naturally goes to, how cool. Mm. That's great. This is great to know now. I can use this going forward. And my mom has more of the tendency to be like, oh, that's really sad. 
and I feel really bad, right? And so it's nice just to notice and it's nice to practice. I think my mom is like really good at feeling the harder sad feelings and she's going to be practicing being able to see how great it is to now know and have a different option available to her. And for my dad, it might be the opposite of like, oh, is there a part that feels sad? You know, and like, can I be kind to myself for that part of me that feels sad? Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. (laughs) I think that's a good place to end for the day. How's your body feeling? I really need to pee. Yeah. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that's the predominant thing, actually. (laughs) Lower body, that's what I'm aware of. Upper body is like this fluttery, happy feeling. Mm, great. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go pee or do you want to close up with a body practice? Mm, I'll close off with a body practice mm-hmm. because even if you need to go pee, you can pay attention to your body. That's true. So there's a, there's a limitation to what feels comfortable when you have to go pee. <laughs> um, and right now what's comfortable for me is just pushing, pressing my toes into the floor. Okay. So just taking a moment to press your toes into the floor. And notice your breath. And maybe make it light and playful. Hello, toes. I like talking to my body parts. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but hello, toes. I feel you. And now I need to go pee. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Uh, Like, follow, subscribe. And if anything we've said today has been helpful for you, please share it with somebody you care about. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.